0: I did the breathing exercises and I could find it made some difference to my physiology. And even if people were saying, well, what's it all about? He's telling me now to breathe less air. And I've been told to breathe more air for the last four decades. I say, the only way to find out is to give it a go. Hello,
1: Hello.
2: welcome to At Home.
1: This is a place where we explore all the nooks and crannies of what makes us feel at home.
2: The good, the meh, and the messy.
1: We've been together over 10 years and we still have a lot to learn about each other.
2: (laughs) I've been with myself for a long time and I still haven't figured myself out. It's a process.
1: Well, there will be heated debates.
2: Yeah, because Drew has very strong opinions Mm -hmm. about everything like leaving the toilet lit up
1: well hey we'll just bring in experts to help us solve those what about you though leaving hair dolls in the shower you
2: uh those are gifts
1: <laughs> yeah that no yeah. one wants this is all a part of our life at home Are we annoying everyone yet?
2: So gross.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is what Linda puts up with every night. This is
2: why I can't sleep. This is why I wake up. Your allergies are why you
1: can't sleep, but this is why I wake you up as well. My (laughs) mouth breathing, my lifelong legendary mouth breathing that has probably driven everyone nuts.
2: Ooh, you know what I think would be fun? I think we should, as a game, we should find as many photos as we can of True with his mouth hanging open. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. That's, that's the advertisement for this episode. That's not attractive, but I can already think of, from my high school and elementary days, I can already think of about 30 photos. Right,
2: that's that's your homework.
1: Finding those? You need those? to find okay. 10 photos. Okay, okay. I, I just found them all.
2: <laughs> just 10? Just 10?
1: <laughs> oh, it's so bad, but I look back, I'm like, why do I do that? Shut your mouth already. But then I realize I've never learned to breathe properly.
2: Yes, yeah, so this episode is all about breathing. I know that sounds... Does it sound weird? Does, I mean, does it's such it sound a, lame? But it's such a common thing and we need it to live.
1: Well, but right? you think about it, <laughs> kind of. Th- these conversations kind of came around first because we're talking about, you know, Linda with some of the baby prep classes and stuff for her pregnancy. What's the type of breathing she has to do and all this. Then we started thinking, well, I could really use some work on my breathing. Yes. And it was the middle of the night, me waking Linda up with my snore sleep breathing. Well, I
2: had always told you that, but then it was it was... And we talked to Patrick about this. It was when we were reading in bed. Right. It's nice and peaceful, and all I hear is, <sighs> <sighs> Andrew's mouth is just open. I'm like, Are, yeah. are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine.
1: <laughs> Why do I need to change? Don't change me. But uh, it was pretty exciting. Our guest today, Patrick McEwen, he says he has a mission to empower people to take control of their own health, well being, and fitness using simple breathing exercises proven. To improve body oxygenation.
2: That sounds simple enough and potentially life-changing.
1: I just know that when someone has a book that they've written called Close Your Mouth... It's it's meant for me to read. <laughs> so Patrick is world-renowned. He's an author. He I think he has eight books, actually. Uh, he's a breathing practitioner. He was educated at Trinity College in Dublin, and that was before completing his clinical training in the Buteko breathing method.
2: Patrick has been doing this for 20 years now, so he has a lot to teach us about breathing. And I think we'll be very surprised at how basic it is, and I guess how much we'd don't realize we don't breathe properly.
1: Well, there's so much proper breathing, whether it's during rest or during exercise, can affect your overall performance in life. With everything that you do, you will literally see the difference. You'll feel the difference.
2: For all you guys out there, you will know if you're breathing properly at night if you get blank in the morning. Okay, I'm going to leave you, it at that.
1: You'll okay. hear it. You'll you'll hear it. Patrick will say this in our conversation.
2: And that makes sense. Yes. It makes sense. Anyway, listen for it.
1: It's a good win-win thing for everyone. Everyone, not a deep breath. Take a soft breath in and then slowly release through your nose. Breath in and out through your nose. This is Patrick McEwen. Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security.
2: I mean, what are they going to do next? They're they're going to start a country singing career.
1: I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your
2: Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks,
1: <laughs> my security system with Google <laughs> Nest speakers and displays.
2: And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started.
1: Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not <laughs> mine. Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24 7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google.
2: Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer.
1: Thanks for taking the time to join us. You have no idea, Patrick, how excited I am. As No, the...
2: how excited I am yes, to have a breathing coach, Patrick McEwen, on here.
1: Yeah, to, to work on my snoring and my mouth breathing. So thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you. Nice. You're <laughs> very
0: welcome. It's a... Uh... It's, it's kind of the, you know, the pleasure is all mine. It's watching your channels over the years and TV shows have been absolutely wonderful. So, so seeing and meeting face-to-face, it's, it's great.
1: Do you ever watch the show and you're like, does that guy ever shut his mouth?
0: Does that guy <laughs> yeah, ever breathe through his nose? <laughs> I think there's a good dynamic because it's in terms of the, not necessarily the rivalry, but the brother to brother. There's something that's there that you're not going to get from two other presenters Mm-hmm. because number one, you're going to know each other, but also you're not going to take each other as seriously. And right. I think it allows a little bit more creativity as well. And banter. You know, oh, yeah. you don't necessarily have to be so um, straight down the straight. line. Yeah, yeah
1: well, we, we call that our bro banter. And Jonathan <laughs> and I, you know, Jonathan's one of the best designers I've ever met. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think he thinks I'm one and the same, but uh, we don't take each other too seriously and we have fun. But the big thing for us is we find... The more fun we can have while we're trying to teach people something, the more they'll actually pick up and the more they'll learn. And uh, anyway, so that's that's what we love, what we're doing. We've we've always dreamed of doing an international season, maybe renovating a castle in castle. Scotland or Ireland. No, that's so good. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we have hard-hitting questions for you, um, and not really, but the, <laughs> where this all came from, for a background for everybody, is so I was I was talking with my trainer.
2: No, no, no. Let's rewind a okay. bit further. So we're sitting in bed reading and all I hear beside me as we're peacefully reading is <sighs> like, <sighs> 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 and I look over, I'm like, is your nose stuffy? Like, are can you breathe through your nose? I said, no. Please? And I'm he's fine. like, why? I, no, like I can breathe through my mouth. Like, And I said, well, that's what your nose is there for. And he's like, what's wrong with breathing through your mouth? Like
1: I was like, I have two options. I can breathe through my mouth, my mouth or my nose. I said, I don't have to breathe through my nose. And then Linda said, it's not healthy to breathe through your mouth. And I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> and Hallelujah,
0: uh, so Linda. Fair play to you. Because you know what? There's not too many people that are going to say that. It's absolutely bizarre. The most simplest thing in the world. And it's been overlooked.
1: And I've, we've never been taught. This is one of the yeah. first things I wanted to ask you. When, you know, reading your, your book or books and and trying to understand, you know, what Linda was saying about it being healthier to breathe through your nose. I know, for example, I used to be a trainer. I used to uh, train people I would work out. And we always talked about the idea of breathing in through your nose to kind of pace yourself and then you can breathe out, you know, potentially through your mouth. But I never knew any more than that. And my thought is, if it's so much healthier in so many different ways for our body and our mind to breathe through our nose, why are we not taught that in school?
2: Right. So Drew asked his trainer or told his trainer about this and then he put us on to you. So can you tell everyone a bit about what you do?
0: Sure. I came across this completely by accident. A kid growing up with asthma. And if you have asthma, you typically have a stuffy nose. Mm-hmm. And if you have a stuffy nose, your sleep is going to be problematic. So here you have this wheezing kid, mouth breeder, fast breeder, an upper chest breeder. And uh, it, it kind of does affect your quality of life growing up. But the biggest thing that it impacted on me was my concentration in school. Academically, I feel it really held me back because I got grades, but I had to work a lot to get those grades. Mm. And if I was to do it again, it just would have been that bit different. And I was reading a newspaper article, spoke of a Russian doctor who was working with astronauts during the Soviet space race and spoke about two things when it comes to breathing. One is breathe in and out of your nose, Mm. and the other is to breathe light. And here was I, mouth-breather, reading the piece of paper and realizing I was doing neither of those. So I made a concerted effort. I used the nose and blocking exercise, which you can decongest your nose. And it's known since 1923 by simply holding the breath. And I made a concerted effort to continue to breathe through my nose. And I take my mouth closed at night and I know that's going to sound bizarre to people. I use Breed right strips across my nose as well to keep my nose open. Mm-hmm. And the following day, I did the same. And it was the second morning that I woke up. I woke up with the best night's sleep in about 15 years. Wow. And there's a couple of other things as well. I kind of noticed when I was really practicing to breathe less air, which flies in the face of what normally people will say about breathing, because you're always told, take this deep breath or take this big breath. There's kind of an idea out there that the more air you breathe, the better. But when I started breathing less and softening my breathing, I was able to influence the blood circulation into my fingers. I never realized that my cold hands and cold feet were synonymous with my faster and harder breathing pattern. But Mm -hmm. it also puts you into that increased stress response. So I was a little bit highly strung, poor sleep, poor circulation and poor oxygen delivery. And I know that kind of sounds a lot, but I'll just go back to one thing the mouth does absolutely nothing for breathing. There is no part of the mouth that's designed to do anything for the breath. So the mouth is an emergency. It's a hole. It's an entry point for air to come straight into the lungs. And throughout revolution, evolution, we can pretty much guarantee that our ancestors were innate nasal breathers, and we have lost that. Hmm.
2: Why do you think we've lost it?
0: Yeah. L- laziness? It's a good question. I think that part of it is the change in diet was a big part of it. Uh, there was a book written back in the 1930s called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by a Dr. Weston Price. And he went around to various civilizations and he looked at what happens when individuals switch from a traditional diet over to a processed diet. And he spoke about first-generation children becoming mouth readers. Now, the shape of the human face is changing. We used to have a broader facial structure more forward jaws, wider palates, straight teeth. Because if you look into, if you were to go into any high school now and look at the instance of overcrowding of teeth, it's probably 60 to 70% of those kids. When you have overcrowding of teeth, it's pointing that the jaw is too small, the jaws are too small, that there's not enough room for the teeth. But the problem is when the face gets smaller, there's not enough room for the tongue in the mouth. And when there's not enough room for Mm. the tongue, it can encroach in the airway. And that that, that sets up something bigger because sleep disorder So coming back to your question, Drew, Drew, I think there's many different reasons. We're eating soft foods. We're not eating hard foods, which would exercise the jaws. Mm. Breastfeeding was something that our ancestors did because there was no commercial foods available. And even babies who were tongue-tied, that the little piece of string that holds the tongue to the floor of the mouth, if that was too tight, um, midwives, back, say, in the 16th century in France, they used to clip it with a fingernail. So breastfeeding is not just about nutrition, but it's also about manipulation of the muscles of the face necessary for craniofacial growth in comparison to the foods that we're eating. And then we live in very airtight houses. You know, that's the whole realm your field, you know, so much insulation, especially where we are as well. But then are we having the same circulation of air as what we would have had ordinarily? Whereas Mm. houses of old, you had a draft coming in the door. We were doing hard physical exercise. We weren't under the chronic stresses that we were under today. So just our lifestyle has changed. So it's Mm. a number of factors.
1: It's so fascinating that literally in the last three, four minutes of you talking, I have learned more than I did in all of my 43 years (laughs) about the process and why we breathe the way we do. And I never even thought about that in the fact of how we change not eating. You know, we have softer foods than what we used to have. And um, how that compared, changes our yeah, physiology, our
2: therefore changing the I way mean, we breathe.
1: I have crowding. Look, I call this my snaggle tooth. Right here, I have that one crowded tooth. I like it. I'm not going to get rid of it because it's my character. <laughs> but uh, so there, there are a few different aspects that interest us when we're talking about this. One, as Linda said, I tend to snore. Well, it's not so much snoring as much as I do this weird, heavy breathing, like thing at night and it drives her crazy and then um, I, I like I literally always have my mouth hanging open and I, I, all of my photos as, as a kid growing up it's always hanging open I just think your, your, your book Close Your Mouth is
0: going back yeah but yeah, 17 yeah, so, years ago but
1: yeah 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 so one of the early books I mean that's that's written directly to me because my, my mom and dad <laughs> were always like Drew close your mouth but uh, so what, what is breathing? Because I've heard that as we're reading um, from your books as well, breathing is different for women than it is for men or pregnant women for men. Can you explain a bit more of that?
0: Yes, yeah, since 1915, it has been noted that breathing for females is different than men because of the menstrual cycle. So in terms of the monthly cycle, post-ovulation, mid-luteal phase, there's an increase in the hormones progesterone and estrogen. And progesterone is a respiratory stimulant. So this will stimulate breathing to become faster and harder. Now, the problem with faster and harder breathing is that too much carbon dioxide can be got rid of from the blood through the lungs. And this in turn then can drop, well, the loss of carbon dioxide will increase blood pH, but it will cause arousal of the central nervous system. So for a female's point of view, it can increase pain and fatigue, and it can also generate a sensation of air hunger and panic. And the symptoms of PMS can be directly attributable to changes in breathing patterns brought about by the changes in hormone. Now, even though this has been aware for 100 years, most research done on breathing has been done by men, on men. And when they take into consideration females, they don't necessarily take into consideration the monthly cycle. So I think it's unfortunate. I think there's so many females that they will have breathing patterns that change, whereas a man's breathing is going to be stable throughout the month, relatively so. Okay, stress is going to impact it. If they are talking all day, it impacts your breathing. You're quite tired at night. But for the females, hormonal changes is going to cause that change. And we have to bear in mind that carbon dioxide is not just this waste gas that people talk about. Since 1904... A Danish physiologist called Christian Bohr stated that the pressure of carbon dioxide in the blood is a catalyst for the release of oxygen from the red blood cells to the tissues and organs. Mm -hmm. Now, how many times do we hear, breathe in as much oxygen as you can, get rid of as much carbon dioxide as you can. Mm -hmm. Carbon dioxide, if we are breathing too hard and too fast and we get rid of too much carbon dioxide, hemoglobin, which is the main carrier of oxygen in the blood, doesn't release oxygen so readily. Mm. So our physiology is impacted by the speed and the depth of our breathing. And I really feel that the biggest impact of this is in states of mind, because something that what you said earlier on, why aren't we taught this in school? And I remember I was listening to a podcast by Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. He's quite a well-known doctor in the UK and he was interviewing a brain surgeon and the brain surgeon was Dr. Rahul. He said, He said, when I get into a tricky situation, the first thing I do is prevent myself from hyperventilating. Now, here's a brain surgeon saying that. Hmm. But why doesn't everybody else know this? Why doesn't the child in school, the university student, the corporate worker, the person in first responders and the police and the military? Because we all get into tricky situations. But Mm -hmm. how do we normally respond? Depending on the person, if the situation is tricky... And it launches us into that faster and harder breathing pattern. The body is telling the brain that the body is under threat. And all the brain wants to do is to protect the body and get us out of the situation. And that's mm-hmm. why it's very difficult to think straight when things are going awry. And it's the measure of the leader who can remain composed and make a decision when, when things are going poorly. Mm-hmm. But we have to be able to look at our physiology And it's very simple because it's the speed of the exhalation which determines whether you stress the body and mind or whether you relax the body and mind. If Mm. you breathe out fast, it's a stressor. If you breathe out slow and prolonged and relaxed, your body is telling the brain that everything is okay and your brain will send signals of calm accordingly. None of this Mm. information is new. The vagus Mm -hmm. nerve upon this would be based that we have this nerve wandering throughout the human body, hence the name vagabond or vagrant. Mm. So it's a vagus nerve, and 80 to 90% of the nerve fibers are from the body to the brain. And when we have that really slow and prolonged and relaxed exhalation, we stimulate the vagus nerve, which secretes a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine, and this causes the heart rate to slow down. And when the heart rate slows down, the brain interprets that the body is safe. So I would say to anybody, listen, the next time something goes awry and you're feeling a little bit, you're getting a bit stressed up about it, take 90 seconds out, bring your attention inwards. Nobody will even know you're doing it. Take Mm -hmm. a very soft breath coming into your nose and have that relaxed and prolonged exhalation because even the 90 seconds that you do that, you're telling the brain that everything is okay. And at least Mm -hmm. it will give you some degree of composure.
2: Well, you just answered so many questions because I I wanted to know about, you know, just the basics of how breathing affects our immune system and just like what happens biomechanically and psychologically. And I feel like you kind of tied everything in there. I mean, I, I think what you just described there is, is that considered like a basic rule, like exhaling slower and more fuller than you would inhale?
0: When we get stressed we respond with this faster breathing pattern, an upper chest breathing, an irregular breathing pattern, and harder breathing. And that's going to feed back into the stress response. But the one thing that we have some degree of control over is our breathing. So a good breath will be having a light breath in through the nose and a slow and prolonged and relaxed exhalation. So, Linda, just as you said, you're taking a soft breath in through your nose and you have a slow and relaxed and prolonged exhalation. A good breath. The exhalation is one and a half times the length of the inhalation. Now, before Mm. people start measuring, what I would say is don't just focus on the respiratory rate. Also look at the tidal volume because we want to consider minute ventilation. And I think sometimes the best way, what really got me into this was I did the breathing exercises and I could find it made some difference to my physiology. And even if people were saying, well, what's it all about? He's telling me now to breathe less air. And I've been told to breathe more air for the last four decades. I say, the only way to find out is to give it a go. And even if you were just sitting there and taking a very soft breath in through your nose and a really, really relaxed and a prolonged and a gentle exhalation, and then a very, very soft, gentle breath in, that you underbreed by about 30% to the point of air hunger. So, The ideal, the objective here is that you create a feeling that you're not getting quite enough air. Now, it shouldn't be stressful. You know, it can be a little bit uncomfortable, but no no stress. If you do that for three to four minutes, check if you can influence the circulation in your hands. And again, none of this information is new. Traditionally in yoga, the, the word used in yoga was subtlety of the breath. And if you look at Qigong, there's Master Chris Pei, he says there are three levels of breathing. The first level is that your breathing should be so smooth that the person next to you does not hear you breathe. The second level, your breathing should be so smooth that you do not hear your breathing. And the third level, your breathing should be so smooth that you do not feel your breathing. Now, this information was known a long time ago. Now it's got lost. And it's really time to bring it back because there is an idea out there of taking these full big breaths. If we want to take full big breaths, it's important that we breathe relative to our metabolic needs. If you go for a run, your metabolism is, is, is kicked in. You know, you've mm-hmm. got an increased metabolic rate and it's normal that you're going to need to breathe more air. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make sense sitting down or resting to be right. taking these full big breaths because you can sacrifice the biochemistry. And when, in actual fact, what you can do is cause blood vessels to constrict and less oxygen delivery throughout the body.
1: That makes more sense to me. I was going to say, when you're running, it's that same idea then still. I don't want to like, like quick breathe in and then slow breathe out. You want to have that soft breathe in, even though it might be a larger capacity because you're utilizing more your higher metabolic rate.
0: A person breathing during physical exercise, how they breathe during exercise is determined how they breathe during rest. So, you can imagine somebody that's sitting here and you look at their breathing pattern during rest and you see their breathing, it's a little bit faster, it's a little bit harder in its upper chest. You know, that person is going to have disproportionate breathlessness during physical exercise. And, you know, I suppose there's another mistake that people sometimes do is that we say to people, of course, breathe in and out through your nose because your nose is the only organ that's actually preparing and conditioning your nose. By breathing through it it's known that it increases the pressure of oxygen in the blood by 10 percent mm-hmm. your nose has a greater connection to the diaphragm your diaphragm breathing muscle is very important for providing stabilization for the spine so for example 50 percent mm. of people with lower back pain have dysfunctional breathing your diaphragm is also connected with the emotions now then some people will take this on board and say, well, I'm going to go for a sprint with my mouth closed. No, 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 that's not necessarily. There's a time to mouth breathe as well, but the intensity of physical exercise gets much too high. But what we do look towards is sleep, rest, low to moderate exercise. Do your best to sustain nasal breathing.
2: This guy here also has lower back pain. I do.
0: (laughs) This gal has
1: back pain. Well, I have an excuse
2: right now. From
1: being pregnant. (laughs)
2: Wait, I wanted to try something because we tried doing our bolt scores, but I, okay. I'm not sure if we were if we were taking it correctly.
1: We both we each took a different approach. So my approach was I just naturally breathing in, and then I plugged my nose, and then when I had the sensation that I naturally need, or when I breathed out, and then I plugged my nose. Then when I felt that sensation, like I want to breathe, that's when I I took the score. Linda held her breath almost as long as she could until she couldn't hold her breath anymore, and then that was her score. Yeah. Do you know the thing
0: is. Uh, Drew's was the correct way and I just say Linda congratulations but don't do the exercise if you're pregnant oh yeah uh, we always recommend it so don't do the breath holds either because they can be a little bit of a stressor um, oh okay yeah but if you relaxation and everything and nose breathing absolutely and even just gentle slow breathing Yeah. Um, but, but not breath holds or anything like that so okay. but I would say that your, your breath hold time is higher than seven just judging by your breathing now as well you know, okay. Because there is a correlation between your breathing pattern and breath the whole time. I would mm. say it'd be close to 18, 19, 20 seconds or even plus. So it's the first definite desire to breathe or the first involuntary movement of your breathing muscles of the diaphragm. Mm. Mm. So is there ever a time when we want to...
1: Hyperventilate. Is there ever a time that we want to change that calming mechanism because it actually it gives us what we need, like a fight or flight kind of a type
0: situation? Yeah, there's there's two ways to stress the body and mind, and one is do hyperventilation, and the other is do long breath holds. Both of these are stressors, and when you stress the body and mind, it's something what's called hormesis that it causes the body to make adaptations. Now, we have to bring good breathing techniques into sleep, good breathing techniques into stress resilience, into physical exercise. And I think what's more important is the understanding that we give to the student, that yes, if you feel that you're you're a little bit, you know, ramped down and you want to upregulate a little bit, you could do some hyperventilation, never do it close to water, do it lying on your back. And I'd also say to people is, take baby steps with it because you don't necessarily know how your body is going to respond Mm -hmm. long long hyperventilation and breath hold is a fair stress to give an example blood oxygen saturation during the breath hold in the first cycle can drop down to the mid 80s the second cycle down to 70s and 60s when it Mm -hmm. goes below 60 percent, there's a risk of you passing out Mm -hmm. and the third cycle go down into the 50s now it's not for me that's been asked for you. but we do we do stressor exercises, but we do twenty breaths in and out through the nose, exhale hold, but always bring in recovery, breathe light in for three minutes just to recover. But uh, it's very popular, you know, people are loving to jump into ice baths and uh, mm-hmm. hyperventilate. I would see it as the extroverted breathing technique, whereas mm-hmm. I kind of I'm more in the introverted side of it. I suppose it's like physical exercise. Some people like to sprint. And some people like to walk and run and do different things.
1: Well, that's exactly it. I mean, as I was a trainer for many years, too, and there's always the new fad. There's always the the sexier, cool thing to do that's trending. And you look at a lot of the unhealthy exercise or eating routines that people get into because it's the cool thing they've heard about. When in reality, like with eating, if we just balance the number of calories we put in and have a balanced diet, that's. The better, healthier thing than trying to do a zero carb diet or trying to do one of these extremes, but it's not as cool and it doesn't seem it's like it's not quick as tricks. trendy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, does it yeah. just a total side note? Does this breathing technique help if I was to get hiccups? Because typically, when I would get hiccups, what I found works for me is I almost like hyperventilate and then I hold my breath at a high, at a full, and I hold my breath as long as I can at a full, and then I quickly expel the breath and, and go all the way back up again with a deep breath and I hold it again, and that works. But with what you're saying, I almost feel like it's the opposite of what I should be doing to get rid of the because my uh, hiccups is my, my body trying to like figure itself out right
0: or like hiccup, my uh, hiccup is the okay. spasm of the diaphragm and if somebody was to ask me how do you stop it I'd say I don't know so if you found a way to stop it great <laughs> so yeah so you're obviously doing something with the with the combination of doing breath holds. Um, and the hyperventilation because even with the hyperventilation you are actually engaging the diaphragm there and I'm not sure then if you're breathing out and holding the breath and you're holding your breath for quite a long time so you'll have some involuntary contractions of the diaphragm so you're doing a number of things if it works that's super I,
2: I feel like the question is why do you get them in the first place because I feel like Drew gets it when he's talking a lot and he doesn't breathe or like take pauses or if he's eating very quickly and he doesn't, he just like inhales his food.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So there is, if we were say there's what's called aerophasia and it can be a very embarrassing condition because it's when people are swallowing air into their stomach Mm. and they have uncontrollable bloating or bloating is number one, but belching is another one. So, but it can be linked with hyperventilation and I think talking is one of those things that does really impact our breathing mm-hmm. and it will affect people differently. You know, how many people talk all day and then at the end of the day they're absolutely exhausted?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then how can you breathe when you're talking? Well, it's not always going to be perfect to breathe in and out through the nose because you lose the flow of the conversation. Mm-hmm. It sounds so boring and mm-hmm. you have to put these long pauses between sentences. So I have a rule of thumb. Don't hear your breathing during talking, but make sure that you get your mouth closed during sleep. Do physical exercise. Get out for a walk. Get out for your jog. Make sure your mouth is closed and even just paying attention to the body and breath and slowing it down just to help counteract the over breathing that's as a result of talking. Mm. Well, when you're saying uh, close your
1: mouth during sleep, I mean obviously I can't control what I'm doing during sleep. Besides the fact, like, t- the, you, do you mean literally like tape my mouth shut while I sleep? Yes, as long as it's safe to do so.
0: Yeah, but what well, do I-, I can show you. I can show you a tape. Um, we've been taping for twenty plus years, and I had to come out with a tape for children. You know, does many orthodontists realize that if children continue to mouth breathe during the developmental years? it causes craniofacial abnormalities. And even if the orthodontist changes the the, the teeth and straightens the teeth, if the child continues mouth breathing, there's about 70% of a relapse that the teeth become overcrowded again. Mm. So many orthodontists, some wonderful orthodontists are using breathing re-education as well with their patients. And of course, we couldn't put tape on children's mouths. How do we get children to breathe through the nose? Once that child is five years of age onwards, so, this is this is what what I use, and now this is my own one. So I've got a a blatant plug here, but I'm not going to plug it. But I'll show it to you because it's the one thing that people once they hear of taping the mouth, they're just thinking themselves, "Oh my God, that's totally left a field." But no, it's now it doesn't work with a beard, though. True. Oh man! <laughs> Hopefully, our child doesn't have a beard. <laughs> so we stretch it about thirty percent or so. It's elasticated uh, oh, I do. and it covers the mouth and it pulls the lips in together. But it also stimulates the muscles of the mouth, the orbicularis oris muscle. And we have children because when you, when you address nasal obstruction in a child, so say, for example, many children have in Irish adenoids and tonsils and <laughs> the surgeon will fix their nose and remove the tonsils but the child can continue to have a mouth-breathing pattern problem. Yeah. Now, the significance of this is that it can impact their sleep. And the significance of poor sleep with a child is that during the formative years, their brain is developing during deep sleep. There was a study carried out in Stratford-upon-Avon, the home of Shakespeare, and it was published in the journal Paediatrics in 2012. Karen Barnock was the researcher. She looked at 11,000 British children And she followed them over either four years or six years. Children with sleep disorder breathing, which just includes snoring and sleep apnea, of course. If untreated at age five, these kids had a 40% increased risk of special education needs by age eight. There's between 25 to 50% of studied children persistently mouth breathing. And it's been overlooked for anybody with mental health issues, racing mind, high stress, anxiety we have to get sleep right because I don't think like we're all going to have a bad night's sleep every now and again, you know, and you know, the day that you wake up, that you haven't slept right, you know, that you're just not right that day. We're going to be more irritable, but how about the individual who is waking up like that all the time, every single day of the week? I was that kid and Mm. I was that teenager. And I really feel that, you know, we, we, we need to be addressing the elephant here in the room. And it is the critical importance of breathing through the nose during sleep.
1: Now, when we, when we first spoke, I was telling you that I'm a mouth breather and I snore a little bit and it bugs Linda. And after we spoke, I actually went to an ENT and I was talking because I've been having a lot more issues with, with breathing. And basically when I would close my mouth and breathe in through my nose, it was almost like a, a vacuum. It was like a suction it would just, my, my nasal, the sides of my nose would just close up and I couldn't really breathe in much. And so I went to an ENT and they, I was telling them I was reading your book and they looked up my nose and they said, well, good luck trying to change your night breathing, uh, your sleep breathing, because I was so deviated on the one side. They said that there's almost no space for anything to change over on that side. So they said, if you want to improve your, your sleep breathing, you're going to need some surgery uh, on your deviated septum and that'll help you all together. Do you find that a lot of people will go to a surgery and then, like you're saying, then just continue bad breathing habits and it doesn't really affect them in a positive yes. way? Yes. Yeah.
0: I had surgery on my nose in 1994. I presented as well to Ear Nose and Throat Society meeting in Madrid in 2019. And I explained that if an individual has had chronic nasal obstruction, either due to a deviated septum or inflammation or rhinitis, that, of course, you're going to develop a mouth breathing pattern because you can't, if you feel uncomfortable breathing through the nose, whether you're a child or adult, you're automatically going to switch to mouth breathing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by the time an adult has got to an ear, nose and throat doctor, they may have been mouth breathing for five or ten years. So now they have a mouth breathing syndrome. The doctor fixes the nose but doesn't change the breathing pattern. Mm -hmm. And I had an operation on my nose in 1994. I continued to have sleep disorder breathing for four years Mm post-operation. Now, There are a number of ear, nose and throat doctors who do understand this. But in sleep medicine, very much the emphasis is just on the airway. Mm. And there's very little emphasis on the person's breathing pattern. Mm. But if you have somebody with not so good breathing, and if if we look at the population, the adult population, 75% of the anxiety and panic disorder population have dysfunctional breathing. 75%. And it's keeping them stuck in that increased sympathetic drive. But not only that, they have poor sleep. And, you know, when you combine that, like, for example, people with insomnia, insomnia is going to be ever so present, overstimulation, looking into screens, so much information coming at us that we just cannot switch off before we go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And at least with breathing exercises, we can have some control in terms of regulating. I'll also bring in men's health. Men should wake up in an erection in the morning. And men with sleep disorder breathing are very prone to erectile dysfunction. Now, as opposed to just running down to the drugstore and picking up Viagra, we should be talking about, in terms of men's health, nasal breathing is very important because it helps to reduce the risk of sleep disorder breathing. Looking Mm -hmm. at 95 individuals with established obstructive sleep apnea. Now, established uh, obstructive sleep apnea is when an individual stops breathing, for 10 seconds or more, that would be an apnea. And if it's obstructive, it's due to collapse of the upper airway. So basically, the throat collapses during sleep mm-hmm. at different sites. And the hypopnea is when there's a reduction in the flow of breathing. But 95 individuals with established obstructive sleep apnea, those with mouth breathing, had significantly greater severity than those with nasal breathing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's important.
2: Yeah, it affects everything.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. It definitely does. I there, There's been a lot... Of great information for us here, and everything that you you say through your book and everything you've taught us now, I'm going to continue to practice that because I think for me, I also I have leaky gut, and so I have a lot of inflammation in my gut, and I also have something called ankylosing spondylitis, with which is a a, yeah, it's like an arthritis um, in my joint, and I'm I'm curious if there's any of these other ailments that I have, like the leaky gut, that is actually worsened because of my breathing
0: habits rheumatoid arthritis could be a very very interesting one because by stimulating the vagus nerve and i think it was kevin tracy as well showed that you could stop arthritis in its tracks via stimulating the vagus nerve Now he was doing it electronically but it's worth just delving a little bit down that route by stimulating the vagus nerve you have to block pro-inflammatory cytokines so these are mm-hmm. the cytokines the chemical mesh, messengers that trigger inflammation Now, there's a number of ways to stimulate the vagus nerve. One is breathwork practice, but there's also simple ways, gargling, humming. um, But light breathing, Mm. slow breathing and low breathing and nose breathing during sleep. And a good gauge of where you are in terms of balance in the autonomic nervous system is by measuring what's called heart rate variability. And everybody's kind of into it. I'm not really, but people are wearing aura rings and they're wearing all of these different devices. And that will give them feedback of where you are in terms of balance. But nose breathing during sleep typically, you know, is a very good place. I also feel that this is where the stressor exercises too could be playing their role. That they're stressing by causing the body to shaking the autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And the body makes adaptation. Cold water immersion could be a very important one as well. I think it's worthwhile in terms of looking at breathwork practice for for rheumatoid arthritis. I think Mm -hmm. it definitely is.
1: I will definitely check it out. Yeah. Well, we love to wrap up every conversation with a speed round. If you're game for some hard hitting questions. <laughs> let's go for it.
2: A slow breathing speed round. Yes. <laughs> All right. What meal makes you feel at home and who cooked it?
0: Well, of course, I have to say my wife, because uh, if, if I don't, I'm going to get divorced. So <laughs> let's say I have very simple taste in food. And um, for me, a really good vegetarian or salad is is really you know, good for me. If I want to go out bit all out, I'd love a ribeye steak or something like that. But um yeah, mm. it's uh no I have simple enough tasted food, so I do. Yeah, that's great. What smell reminds you of home? I live in the west coast of Ireland. It's, it's a very rugged and even at this time of year going out, there's a certain scent of this scent of spring. Mm. And it's just one of those smells, I can't really describe it, but there's a feel good factor in it that, you know, that summer is coming. Um, So yeah, it's, I'm fortunate. I live in a beautiful place in the, in the middle of nowhere and Mm. um, it does bring its own smells. You're in the middle of nature. So there's something about it.
1: You know, it's good when they make a a bar of soap about it. Irish Springs. I was going to say that.
2: (laughs) 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 What's your perfect Sunday morning at home?
0: My perfect Sunday morning is waking up with absolutely no tasks to do, nothing at all, because it's, and for me, it's very important that we have at least one day in the week that we have no pressures and it's it's a recuperation. So I play a game called hurling with my daughter. It's You wouldn't really hear of it in Canada, but it's a, it's a very ancient game. It's about two and a half thousand years old. And uh, normally of a Sunday or even of a Friday as well, if I have some time, we head out and we play a game of hurling. So, so that's my pastime.
2: Hurling, we'll have to look that Herling.
1: up. Uh, we'll have to look it up. Definitely, we're all about the home games at home. Now, for anybody listening and not seeing, you know, you have uh, shelves and shelves of books behind you. It looks like hundreds of books. How many of the books behind you have you actually read?
0: I've read. I've pretty much read a lot, but that's over a long time now. So cool. like I'm an avid reader, so I would genuinely read them. Now, some books I've read more than once and I would mm. still open them up and read them. And, um, you know, and one of those books, of course, is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, there's some other wonderful books there as well. I've just finished a book called Four 4,000 Weeks, mm. which is a very insightful book because it's kind of, I'm 48 years of age. And once you start hitting 50, you start realizing that time is limited. And you, you really feel that you want to kind of get that balance back. And, you know, it talks about the modern society and how it's really taking our time in terms of emails and everything else. But it just is a cause for reflection. And it's a very nice book. I didn't find much of a solution in it towards the end of it. I was kind of expecting where's the the, the solution here, where's the answer. Mm. But at the same time, it's it's good just to plant that seed, you know
2: add that
0: to our list last question last question name three things on your bedside table i have tape my own tape. <laughs> that's <laughs> one um i've also books typically on my bedside table and i don't even know what's up there now because mm. i will just kind of delve in and out of them and the third thing is that is a lamp and that's that's about it
1: Well, thank you so much for for taking time to chat with us. It is really insightful. And and honestly, this is going to be something that will help our health too. So I appreciate you for taking the time to to do that. Yeah, thanks so much, Patrick. Thanks so much, Linda. Thanks so much, Drew. And by the way, we have an amazing team and just want to say a huge thank you to all of them.
2: We could not do this without them.
1: Brandon Angelino,
2: Annalie Bell,
1: Hannah Fan,
2: Courtney Ioannis,
1: West Friend, Chris Cobain, Nicole Schachter,
2: and Sabrina Ayakobuchi.
1: Also, our theme music is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson, and our music composed and produced by Rick Russo.
2: Thank you so much for listening, and if you have a few seconds, don't forget to subscribe and rate.
1: Yes, please do, please do. And also leave comments comments on our social media at at home we love to hear from you
0: like
1: dun, 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 dun. ADT <laughs> now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home the safer the security
2: I can't wait to see what they do next
1: they're gonna put Google Nest doorbells on the moon <laughs>
2: Actually,
1: i like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell.
2: I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door.
1: And we can control our ADT smart devices like... Lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays.
2: Mm -hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started.
1: Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google.
2: Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer.
1: Hey, Google.